0: Today is November 3rd, 2023, and we welcome you to our Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, We've been out of commission for a while. We've uh, not been around for a couple of weeks. Uh, In fact, uh, even when we were back three weeks ago, we were uh, minus our video version. It was a technical situation with me, but uh, that's uh, all been rectified, and uh, we are all back together again. Of course, the Chapter 49 podcast. Uh, Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana, but uh, we are have uh, always been a little bit surprised that this podcast has reached national proportions. We're always thankful for people that think they can get something out of our podcast and our discussion. Uh, I'm Larry Landon. I'm a a retiree, and uh, also a communications volunteer with Chapter 49. So we welcome once again our Chapter President, Duncan Giles. Welcome back, Duncan.
1: Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here.
0: So as we are both here today, I just want to say one thing we can say, having been gone a couple of weeks and uh, now this being uh, November 3rd, is that you and I have have uh, survived Halloween. I no longer have small children. I do have grandkids, but they live in another state, so I got to see their costumes. But Duncan, tell us about your Halloween costume.
1: (laughs) Uh, This is one I've had for a couple of years, and uh, my wife really wanted me to do it. She had not done a whole lot of passing out of Halloween candy, so I brought uh, the Captain America costume, out of mothballs to uh, to wear on Halloween, and actually, it's quite fun. Uh, the little ones, especially the little boys, and even some of the big boys, were getting you know you're getting cap you're getting candy from Captain America. Uh, they really liked it. The a uh, couple of police officers in our neighborhood who were driving by saw me outside, and they were waving, and I was waving at them.
0: That's right. They were maybe calling you in to help out. You know, you are, <laughs> after all, Captain America. See, I thought what I thought you were going to tell me is you're one of these adult guys that goes trick or treating in the neighborhood, and, and, you know, but you didn't do that. Thank goodness.
1: No, I, I, no, I did not. I was helping hand out and uh, just wanted to see the look on the little kids' faces, and it was it was a lot of fun for that.
0: And if anybody follows Duncan Giles on social media. You can see a picture of himself and Kim in their outfits. So uh, I'm sure that will be a rush now to look up Duncan Giles, right, on Facebook. Anyway.
1: (laughs) Slow meander,
0: maybe, for a few. (laughs) Meandering is okay. Nothing nothing wrong with meandering. Well, uh, we're glad to have you back, Duncan. Everybody's uh, relatively healthy now. And now I would like to get to our podcast, which is going to have a number of issues we've since been away for a couple of weeks there's even more to talk about the most important thing is the state of the budget the budget of the irs and the federal government in general um i think that what we need to keep in mind is that there are some very strange things happening in the house of representatives the uh, speaker of the house had his first news conference the day before we record this so uh, i have a lot i can say but i would really like to get your take first of all on on where we are with this whole budget thing just a couple of weeks for the latest continuing resolution expires
1: yeah we've got uh right at two weeks as we record this uh before the continuing resolution expires um based on the house's attitude and what they passed yesterday i'm not very hopeful um, that we're going to be able to get some real forward progress made. Um, I, I was extremely disappointed in the fact that they wanted to go back to well, let's just pull the money from the IRS's uh, money they got from the Inflation Reduction Act, regardless of the fact that that money actually makes money. That's an actual money maker for the government. But let's let's pull the money for that. Uh, instead of just going ahead and giving the support to Israel, let's pull the money from the IRS to do that. I thought that was extremely disingenuous uh, by the members of the House that uh, devised that.
0: Well, the other thing that uh, I find striking about this whole debate, of course, the most important issue, and I think it's been written about, in the mainstream media, left and right, that the Congressional Budget Office, the nonpartisan running of numbers for Congress, flat out said this will add to the deficit. All, the, all that the majority in the House is trying to do is stick it to the IRS. That's all they're trying to do, which is sad to see, because the IRS brings in the money to pay for the other, many things they want to, uh, to fund, to and, uh, so that the fact that they think they can fund certain people think they can fundraise by bashing the IRS seems to be the thing. But the other part, and I would like to hear your uh, take on this, is that the House is sort of acting like they're in charge. Like what they decide will happen is what's going to happen. Well, the Senate has been pretty clear, and it's not just the Democrats in the Senate. Many of the Republicans are one, no part of this. For a couple of different reasons, the presidents made clear he would veto this bill if it ever got to his desk. The way it passed in the House, uh, but the the I think from a foreign po- excuse me a foreign policy uh, and just an emergency funding point of view, the Congress has never offset emergency funding for anything, whether it's for a hurricane, an earthquake, a tornado outbreak, or International aid, such as Ukraine and and Israel and other parts of the con- of the world that need some help at this moment, Palestinian uh, uh, relief for the uh, civilians who have suffered mm-hmm. great this conflict, so setting a precedent of having an off- an offset of any kind to fund this sort of of uh, situation. Uh, a lot of people in the Congress and I think the president and his staff have said this. So it's a, a very bad precedent for the future. Um, huge, hugely bad precedent.
1: And it's just a bad look. I mean, you know, we're supposed to be the shining beacon on the hill, the democracy that helps out other countries and things of that nature. And now we're going to be playing games with this, where in our entire history, we've never played a game like this, With as you said, with emergency funding. So... Why the House has decided that they can unilaterally do this when they know it's dead on arrival in the Senate? In a bipartisan way, it's dead on arrival in the Senate, and it certainly would be vetoed by the president. And there's no way it would override a veto. It's just throwing um, you know meat to a certain section of uh, you know folks that don't want to play well with others. And that's what we saw with uh, things going on in the House for a couple of weeks. But, you know, they've got to get along. They've got to play well with others. And they're there to help govern, not play games, to help govern the country. And taking money from the IRS where we're actually turning that money into more money is absolutely asinine. You have to wonder, okay, if you're doing this, who are you protecting by wanting to take this money.
0: And that has been a a, a source of, of debate. Let's put it that way. But I think we're really, I mean, I'm not terribly surprised that the uh, majority of the House did what they did. They've kind of done this many times. And there is a new speaker who is spearheading this. So I, I think the real test, and Duncan, I want to get your take on this, because the way I see this is not necessarily what happens now because the Senate and the president will weigh in on this, and there will have to be a deal made in the end. You know, we need a continuing resolution. I think the speaker had a press conference, again, the day before we record this, where he said that uh, it may take until January to get all the funding bills done, which may be correct. But to me, the real test isn't what happens now. The real test is once the process comes toward the end, what will the leadership in the House do to get a continuing resolution, to get a, a solution, at least temporarily, to this whole funding issue? Uh, to me, that's when we'll see the real test of what, what's going on here and how serious certain politicians are, but actually governing and not doing performance art and fundraising.
1: Yeah, for and for folks who don't know how the sausage is made, so to speak, um, it's basically... You know, the House passes what they're going to pass. You know, if it was a decent, uh, clean bill, the Senate would take it up and probably pass it. But now the Senate's going to have to pass their own funding and then, you know, probably have a conference committee to try and, you know, meld these two together. And as you said, that's when the rubber's going to meet the road in trying to figure out how they're going to move forward on this. Because if they can't, then we are looking at a shutdown. And... You know, and we've heard the speaker talk about, you know, a series of continuing resolutions, um, you know, for different agencies and things of that nature. And that's just I, I, you know, my head just explodes when I hear that. Continuing resolutions are not the way to make this government work. It's regular order. It's passing appropriations bills. It's matching up between the House and the Senate. What can pass both of those institutions and then be palatable to whatever power that is in the White House that would sign it. And, you know, just going off and wanting to do your own thing is not only counterproductive, but it makes you look uh, fairly silly to a large population of the American public.
0: Let me... Dovetail what you just said a moment ago, because in the past, with a couple of small exceptions where some agencies had their budgets approved before others, it wasn't by design. Uh, There's been something that has been floated, and it was in that press conference uh, the day before we record this. The Speaker of the House, and I'm going to quote a story posted on uh, Government Executive Magazine's website, govexec.com, the House Speaker is considering rolling out a laddered CR, or continuing resolution, that would create multiple stopgap bills that fund different parts of the government and have different end dates. Now, rather than the normal tact of keeping all agencies afloat under one short-term spending bill, the measures would be more narrowly focused and set up unique deadlines for each bill, and I'll end the quote there. From the story. Uh, it's pretty clear that the aim of the house, and they're not giving us any details about how this would work. They're, this is what we know, right? What I just read to you—that uh, there are certain people in the house who want to do this, and they want to do this because they want to stick it to certain agencies, and and one with the initials of IRS. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> I I. I... You know, you hear about things like this and then you hear people who are in charge in both parties and bipartisan who are on appropriations committees who deal with the funding year in and year out and saying, this is absolutely nuts. You don't want to do anything like this. This is not how it's supposed to work. And basically, it's just trying to uh, bully or threaten certain agencies to basically... You know that they don't like their particular policies, and you know this is a democracy. You're not going to be happy about everything. It is going to be the majority rule. You are going to have to compromise. That's the way this works. And if you can't accept that, you're going to be in for some rough times. And I fear that's what may happen again over in the House because they're going to need to um, they're going to need to figure out a way to get along with everybody.
0: Well, it's going to be rough times, not just for the politicians and the people who are in elected office, but for the federal employees. That's the problem. And that's why you and I are spending so much time talking about this, because the current continuing resolution ends on November 17th, and if you know there will be a shutdown if nothing happens. So my, again, concern is what's going to happen when the crunch time comes, a deal has to be made. Will the House be willing to be a part of that deal with the President and with the the Senate? And we haven't had many conference committees, sadly, in Congress. We don't have what they call regular order for a long time. But we would certainly hope that there would be a fair compromise. The Congress has already raided that Inflation Reduction Act uh, money that IRS was given. And and this, this measure that passed the House would have taken it all away and also but an effort to reduce the annual budget to the IRS. So Mm -hmm. all of this is happening at the same time. And we don't want to shut down and we don't want to see IRS defunded, essentially, which is what the goal seems to be of certain people uh, in in elected office. So we spent a lot of time talking about this, Duncan, because of the shutdown possibility and the way our agency is funded. I say our, I'm a retiree, but I still feel a part of it. So any final comments uh, before we move on?
1: Yeah, basically, I want to tell people, start saving your money. Um, You know, that's one of the things that you hear from Congress. Well, you know, the law was passed, so everybody will get paid. Yeah, you will eventually get paid if there is a shutdown once we start back up. But for, you know, those of us who have been through a 35-day shutdown can tell you it's very painful. It's not easy. And, you know, Telling your mortgage company, your car loan company, your grocer, you know your utilities that, hey, you know I'll get you. I'll, I'll I'll be getting to you. You know that's not always easy. That's pretty darn difficult, as a matter of fact. So I would advise folks have a safety net. Make sure you've got some money saved up just in case this does happen, and we do start entering a shutdown. Because if we do enter a shutdown. I don't anticipate it being a short one. So I just want everybody to be as prepared as possible.
0: Well, we hate to have to give you that news, but that's the straight talk you uh, just received from from Duncan Childs as to what uh, could be coming. Of course, we thought there'd be a shutdown on November 1st. There wasn't one because the Speaker of the House made a deal, and now he's no longer Speaker of the House. So that's another dynamic that's sadly playing into this. NTE with the national and on Chapter 49's level, we will be keeping you updated there. Let's move on. Excuse me. Move on to uh, voting. In much of the country, we have an a, a election day of November seventh. In Indiana, we have municipal uh, local elections that are uh, uh, coming up. But uh, various states have various kinds of elections going on on November seventh. So there have been some changes recently in the rules about federal employees' entitlement uh, to use administrative leave to go vote, either on Election Day or in an early voting setting. So, Duncan, this would be a great time to just remind people what those rules are.
1: Yep. the, The old rule was it just depended upon when your start and finish time was. If you had either three hours before or three hours after, uh the starter end of your tour you didn't receive any administrative time, so if you had a nine o'clock start time a m start time, and your polls ran from six to six as they did in Indiana, and that's where I'm specifically talking today about but it it you know varies wildly across the country um then you wouldn't have gotten any you know if you had if you had an eight a m to uh four forty five You could have gotten an hour and 15 minutes. You're an hour of, you know, administrative time. Well, National NTU and IRS signed an agreement uh, last year, late last year, that basically gives up to four hours, up to four hours for voting. Now, what people are going to sit there and say is, oh, I get four hours to vote. No. You get your travel time to the poll. You get your travel time from the polls back to your worker residence and the amount of time that you're actually in line and having to vote. Now, I know that in the vast majority of the state of Indiana, there's not going to be huge lines to vote in this particular election. Being an off-year election, a municipal election, there are some mayoral candidates, um, but there's no nothing beyond mayoral uh You know, no Senate, no governor, things of that nature. And I want to make sure that everybody realizes they use their time wisely. Use the time that you need, um, you know, because management can come back and take a look and contact polls and say, if you say it took you four hours and they said, no, we never had more than a 10 minute line. And you say you took four hours and you've got a 30 minute total commute. You could be lining yourself up for some trouble, and we don't want that. What this is intended for is to make sure that everybody gets a chance to do that, what they need to do and vote and you know have that time to vote. So use it wisely. Use what you need. But please don't use this as an excuse to try and say, oh, okay, I, I just get four hours. The other part of this, and there is a section in the agreement it talks about you know management staffing and this is particularly important for folks in service centers and call sites you know you'll get the time to vote but they may assign you a time that you know you're wanting to do it at the beginning of your tour or end of your tour it may not be that time period because they've got business needs that need to be met there need to be phone calls taken there need to be things done in the service centers at particular times so you know, they may give you an assigned time that's not your favor. You can try and work that with your management, but please understand that management does have that legal right. We want to get you the time that you're allowed to have to vote and get you the time to vote. But it may not be, you know, something exactly perfect where you're saying, I'm going to do it before work or after work. It may be in the middle of a day. So just be prepared for that as well.
0: And how important is it to make sure you have this arranged before you take that leave?
1: Uh, Extremely important. Contact your manager. If you haven't already, contact your manager. Let them know this is what you're going to be doing. Again, it's not as, you know, field folks, it's not near as important because their work is more flexible. But if you're on uh, constraints on the phone, constraints in the service center, This is going to be much more tightly controlled because of the needs of the service. So if you're wanting to vote, which I would hope everyone does, I try and vote in every single election that I can, um, just because I'm a big believer in going ahead and getting out and voting, that you want to make sure that you contact your manager, talk to them, let them know what's going on, and uh, that you do wish to uh, use this. If you have any questions in the state of Indiana, contact your steward. Uh, If not, if you're outside of Indiana, contact your local union chapter. They will have information on this and be able to assist you with management if there are any issues.
0: Right. You took the words out of my mouth, so you already took care of that. (laughs) If you have any issues with this or feel like the management's not working with you in, in a reasonable way to get you time to vote, then contact your local chapter in indiana your local steward or one of the officers uh, of chapter 49. okay next issue we're going to talk about is 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 a benefits webinar coming up Uh, nteu always is trying to negotiate deals for members to get uh, uh, um, special rates and and and, uh, benefits uh, that people don't have outside of our our union so there is A webinar uh, coming up on that, so tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, uh, National NTU contracts with the good folks from United Benefits. And basically what they do, they have a whole suite of different programs um, that they can advise financial things for federal employees. And in this case, they're going to be doing a webinar on the 14th. If you go to the NTU.org site, you'll be able to get the details there uh, about different health plans, what might be best for you. And this is, you know, along with the consumer checkbook that NTU does, these types of seminars are, I think, extremely important. You have the folks that come out from the different insurance agencies to tell you about their agency, but you need somebody like a United Benefits or take a look in the consumer checkbook. There were a couple of years um, where I did uh, basically healthcare demonstrations um, to groups and talk to them about the different opportunities that are out there. Because there's an awful lot of different coverages out there uh, for different plans, cover different things for different people. Everybody's situation is different. My family's gonna be different than Larry's family that's going to be different than somebody else's family. So you always have to look at what's going to be best for you and your family. Don't automatically assume that the biggest company out there is always going to be the best deal or I just leave it with this people and I never look around. You want to take a look around, you can save yourself some money. You can still get the coverage you need and, you know, make sure that you get the important things you need, having time to contact your doctor. Make sure that they take the coverage, that sort of thing. So these types of webinars, I think, are very valuable to our members to take a look at.
0: So, uh, Duncan, finally, our final uh, regular issue here is uh, the state of telework and hoteling. Hoteling is essentially desk sharing. Telework, of course, is working at home or or a third location away from uh, your office. Uh, there seems there seem to always be some developments on this front. What's the latest?
1: Yeah, you know, you're seeing a lot of pushback in, uh, in the news, whether it's private or public, about, okay, we want to bring people back to the office. We want to bring people back to the office. And, you know, and I understand where a lot of that is coming from, but the, you can't put this genie back in the bottle. You know, with the IRS and NTU, we have a very firm and solid telework agreement. Explaining who can telework, how much you can telework, things of that nature. That's not going away. Now what will soon, I believe, be coming to more fruition, and you're starting to see this more and more in posts of duty, as we hire those folks who've been used to having a desk and teleworking, you know, almost full time, coming in, you know, twice a pay period, they're having to start to share your desks. And I think you're going to start seeing this more and more across the country where you're going to, if you haven't already, you're going to start seeing desk sharing, which is hoteling, uh, more and more. You won't have a specific desk. When you go in on your days in the office, you'll be you know, reserving a desk that you can go into, work off of that desk for you know, whatever number of days that you're in that office, and then you go and pack up your stuff and take it back home. So don't, if you hear, well, everybody's going to be having to come back. No, nothing is changing in the telework agreement. Um, that is still the way it is. But, you know, like I said, if you have a reserve spot now and you are a frequent teleworker, it's very possible that you may have to start desk sharing sooner rather than later. So be prepared for that.
0: Okay, Duncan, uh, your final comment for this podcast.
1: Okay, my final thought, I'm going to go back to uh, the voting. And I think it's just very important that folks do vote in any election um, that they have. Because whether it's school board, whether it's municipal, city councils, you know, on upward, I think it's extremely important. You know, we've, we've fought wars to be able to protect these rights that, you know, folks are able to go and vote and want to make sure that we protect these rights. And I think the best way that you can protect those is to make your voice heard. And how do you make your voice heard? You vote. So I would urge everyone to please avail themselves of the time that we've negotiated to do this to make your voice heard in your community and vote.
0: Excellent advice. I would uh, certainly uh, say uh, yes, I feel the same way. What I want to use for my final comment is something that happened almost a year ago. Mike Causey, longtime journalist, you knew him well, um, worked for the Washington Post for eons, retired from there, worked a couple of places, ended up at a place called the Federal News Network and passed away while while working there. Uh, Tom Temin was one of his colleagues at Federal News Network, and he just recently posted something and i want to read part of what he what he wrote about mike cossey mike one of the original staff members of the federal news network passed away a year ago in late september one reason i'm thinking about him this particular week everywhere you look see and hear someone is shouting horrible things about someone else and no need to list the stimuli at home and abroad about shouting. But Causey would have taken the current scene with equanimity. Mike was a gentleman. If he saw or heard something he disagreed with, even diametrically, he'd mainly scratch his head and chuckle. Our morning chats over the latest piece of outrageous cultural or political news always left me thinking, well, maybe the world will survive. Can you believe this, he'd sometimes say or utter a mild tsk-tsk. I never heard Mike criticize, condemn, or complain. He observed, took things in, and had definite opinions, but he avoided indulging in vitriol or ad hominem attacks. Mostly, He fussed over the next column, getting the next tidbit of information that might be of interest to his large and loyal readership. And I'll end the quote there. I thought that, you know, I never met Mr. Causey certainly read him for years. You knew him better. Anything you'd like to add to that, Duncan?
1: Yeah, I think that's a wonderful description of Mike. Um, Just a very classy guy and someone who truly cared about federal employees and their issues. Um, and he was such a great, great voice for us in the uh, mainstream media that uh, is still missed and I miss him today. I would correspond with him a couple of times uh, a month and sometimes a couple of times a week. just a great man and uh it's that's a very, very nice uh, remembrance by Tom of Mike.
0: Well, Duncan Joss, thank you very much, and thank you for watching and listening to the Chapter 49 podcast. We try to keep it weekly. We haven't been <laughs> terribly good about that in the last three weeks, but uh, we do appreciate the fact that you have taken the time to watch or listen to this podcast. Uh, we appreciate what uh, the fact that you are there. If you get something out of this podcast and think you know other people that might get something out of it as well, please share the link, let people know that we're here and we're always appreciate people who take that time to watch and listen to our podcast. So again, we wish you all well in the coming week. We hope to be back next week. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind.